One Man Revolution, Volume 4, Episode 22. back back again back from the well i'm not in the bunker we're back from zoom it's the one man revolution <laughs> podcast i am your host the revolutionary live from portland <laughs> who are you i'm the comrade i'm the and canadian. joined by yeah, the and canadian and the informant and the librarian oh and we are all in our separate places because i decided to take some travel <laughs> <laughs> so it has been the bunker is closed it has been 149 days since the current regime has taken power and uh this week i've been away from everything so i have no idea what's happened so open them up if you can it's cool i've been keeping track of things anyway so don't worry about it oh good excellent excellent it's a team effort well that's it is a team effort comrade absolutely well, uh, I think what I'm going to do, since I am here in view of Mount Rainier, in the great blue states, I was up in Washington State, and now I'm here in Oregon. The only thing I can report back is that there are homeless issues in these blue states, uh, massive homeless issues uh, that need absolutely need to get solved. So that's the only thing I can report back this week. So what are you drinking, comrade? I've been drinking glorious beer, by the way. I've been to more... Uh, more craft beer breweries uh, in the past week than I have in the past five years. So, <laughs> and there are more to come because we went to one last night. Uh, that's kind of a, a hole in the wall, and it was fantastic. Well, so, I'm bring uh, it so down a couple of notches. I'm drinking something as cold as the Rockies. Oh, there you go! Wow, head for the head for the Rockies, sir. Uh, what are you drinking, Canadian? I am drinking an El Segundo. What is it? Wampum Bear IPA. Mm. Very nice. Uh, informant? I don't really. I had a bottle of water. Oh, good, good. <laughs> good man. Good Staying man. Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. Uh, uh, librarian. The only one's holding up the end of the bargain here. <laughs> Very last of the Roman Coke that we have. Left. There we go. The there it is. We, we, we all... unfortunately packed up all of our liquor. Yeah. And there, there it is. There, there it is. Storage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, it has been quite a week. And what I'm going to do, since I am here in the glory of the West Coast, I'm going to pass this off to the comrade. Uh, Y'all keep going. Uh, I I love you all. And I will be listening to the show after you guys are finished with it. (laughs) I'm going to edit it and throw it up. All right. All right, brother. Talk to you later. So, Canadian, I am uh, counting on you to use your fingers on the recordings. Comrade, hold the show together. And uh, informant librarian, uh, you, know, you, know the, you know the drill. You know the drill. All right. Talk to you all later. Have a great one. Bye. Bye. Well, as we all know, this show never actually stays together, so it's fine. All right. Good. <laughs> it's already falling apart. We, we were meant to have another participant who isn't even here yet, so she'll be joining mid-show, which is fine. Um, anyway, uh, uh, welcome to the One Man Revolution podcast. Uh the revolutionary is not here, so we get to do things our way this time. Yeah. 
which uh, leads with a 15 minute monologue on the filibuster from the Canadian. Uh, (laughs) uh, There have been quite a few things of note this week. Uh, I I took a couple of those down. Uh, Obviously I didn't get all of them. Uh, We'll have plenty of time to discuss everything, but here's a couple of highlights. Uh, The national weather service is issuing excessive heat warnings for a lot of the Southwest United States. Uh, in conjunction with the Texas power grids issues and the inhumane conditions of their prisons, which is an entire rat's nest, uh, mm-hmm. Russian politics in U.S. Pol- in in wait Russian politics in my U.S. election it's more likely than you think. <laughs> uh, Florida, actually, as a matter of fact, um, you know, quote, I really don't want to have to end anybody's life for the good of the people of the United States of America, but if it needs to be done. It needs to be done. Uh, Joe, uh, yet again, is looking for ways to fund his new mansion. Um, He's had some talks with some big money donors recently, and it's led to even more headlines for for Joey over there. Um, Lots of coal in the naughty children's stockings for the United States and Japan following the G7 summit. Uh, Lots of um, long-term impact there that... uh, uh, our current president is really kind of failing us all on, but we all saw that coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Canadian was really on top of it this week in between shows with um, research, but critical race theory is just that a theory. Uh, but the right has weaponized that term, like many terms recently, and they've really taken what should be a constructive conversation and made it yet again, completely toxic and unproductive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, do any one of those seem like a good place to get started? I, I thought the filibuster was a good place. To go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk more about Joe Manchin. No. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 just this is recent. I don't know if you know, but there's this voting rights bill that's trying to be passed out of, out of the House and the Senate. It's like Hammond and Holland and Mitch McConnell. There's no way that bill will ever see a lot of day. Um, (laughs) And said, yeah, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. And so Joe Manchin, ever the optimist, said, I can make it happen. Uh. So he took the bill and he he redid it and took out all of sort of the... the Everything that made it worthwhile. No, no, no. Progressive ideas in it. Uh. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, congressional races would be state funded only, right? That's there. So, you know, that changes the way they think that's progressive, right? But it still had, you know, 14 days of early voting and yeah. equal distribution of draft boxes based on, on population and density and that kind of thing. So it was, it was still very progressive to make voting equal across mm. wherever you are. Mm. Um, and he talked to a bunch of Republicans about it, nine or eight. You know, not enough to get it passed, but enough. And today, Mitch McConnell said, nah, it's the same shit. We're not doing it. So Joe Manchin, in his it's got to be bipartisan, just was told it doesn't matter what it is. It's not going to happen. It's <laughs> so it's the, only bipartisan as long as the Republicans wrote it. Right. The, the only way to get it through is to change the filibuster, which is why we're talking about it. And yeah. And he mentioned, well, he'd be OK to make it 55 instead of 60. And I'm like, no, you don't get it, Joe. It's not the number that's the problem. Um, and and I, f- 
it occurred to me this week, and I probably it occurred to me earlier, but I'd forgotten and just remembered. Um, the reason he likes the filibuster is he doesn't have to vote. Yep. So it goes to the Republicans. They say, well, no, you can't do it. And nobody, nobody makes a vote. Right. Republicans aren't on record being against it. Democrats aren't on record being for it. Yep. Nobody votes. It's all good. That's why they like it. Because they not on record having to make a vote. Well, as, well, I, I say, as a Democratic senator in West Virginia, that's probably best for him is to not have to vote on things. It's extremely good for him, which is exactly why he plays it. The interesting well, thing would be, I'd be curious as to how many filibusters there would be if it took a 40 vote positive. So now you had 60 votes to close. You had to have 40 votes to keep the debate open. That'd be, that I mean, we still got a 50-50 split right now, so 40 yeah, is very possible. 40 senators on record voting against something. Right. They're not satisfied. Right, and right. That's a vote against something. Your vote's on record for something, and that's part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, to your point that they don't want votes to happen, I was thinking earlier today that uh, uh, the – part of the reason why the, this concept of progressivism is so challenging for so many who are in a position to, to fix problems is because the people who are in the positions of authority are there due to the broken system that currently right. exists. Right. And that is, you know, it's, it's building your own pyre and igniting it. Like, like it's, it, it's in like anybody who has an interest in maintaining their position of power in the current structure has no interest to fix it. It, they, it is specifically, against everything they could ever want to do for their career to change the way things work. Mm -hmm. uh, but a true progressive would be happy to change mm -hmm. everything about how they got where they are. If it means that the next person is a proper representation of the people Correct. they are in place of. Yeah. I think uh, everybody on this show would be happy to fix a problem, even if there was advantage to it. Because I mean, if I only got to serve one term, but I got stuff done, I'd be happy with it. Yeah. That's called public service. It's not meant to be a career. It's meant to be yeah. a service you do to, for your fellow Americans. Right. And, and we've, we know we've kind of lost that lost sight of that. I think But you can't get rich that way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why give me power if I can't get money from it? <laughs> and that's that. I mean, that goes back to the whole conversation that that congressmen and senators shouldn't be able to profit off their position no right right i mean and that's where that's the the, the thing i mentioned today with with joe mansion again a, a separate issue from joe mansion that actually kind of is relevant to the filibuster conversation um he spoke with a number of of uh quote big money right. donors a group of people called the the no labels group which my understanding is they're kind of moderate centrist conservative people. Um, they, they basically want, like I said, want to maintain the status quo. They don't, they don't want anything to change. They want everything to stay exactly as it is now. So they work both sides from the middle to make sure that they have enough support to stymie anything that could drastically alter the way things currently work. Mm -hmm. uh, the unfortunate reality of that is however, um, what that means is there's always more push for less tax accountability from corporations and, and, and high, high roller uh, individuals like Je the Jeff Bezos of the world. Um, mm -hmm. 
but also, you know, this, this is, uh, this particular circumstance, what's really interesting is because of the way they, they angle their, their positions, they have a lot. And and we've talked about this in the past. The vast majority of people in American politics are mostly center. They are not the, we are, we are far left of center as a, as a group here. I'm I'm speaking for everybody on the podcast, which maybe doesn't necessarily apply as, as, as broadly as the statement engenders, but as a whole, we are far left of center for the United States. Uh, we are not, from a European perspective, that far left of center. We are still a bit left. Um, but we talk about this a lot. This group of people, what they do is they ensure that the center stays exactly where they want it. And if the center needs to move a little bit, well, that's where the new center is. And generally, that's a little bit more to the right every single time. And and when I say the right and left in this particular circumstance, I mean economic policy specifically, not social Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but, but if, the, if social policies have to be sacrificed for the economic policies, so be it. Bingo. If they're rich enough not to be affected by it. That's right. Social policies are nothing. If you have a billion dollars, you can do what you want. Right. And, and I think I think that really does speak to the corruption and the corruptibility of of our politicians and and how flimsy or or maybe not flimsy, maybe flawed the mentality is about those who seek. Uh, a position in American politics. It, it, we we shouldn't see it, and we shouldn't pursue it, and we shouldn't treat it as a position of power or influence. We should treat it as a position of ultimate responsibility. It's like getting behind the wheel of a fully loaded uh, 18-wheeler and driving down a very narrow road. You can't stop. You can slow it down, and you can steer it. You need to put it exactly where it should go and nowhere else. Uh, and who's to say what road is the right road? You know, like it's, it's really challenging, you know? It, it's why I was going to debate yeah. your, your, your comment that America is centrist, because I think if you ask people generic questions, not, not policy questions. Yeah. Not leading questions. More, just, yeah. You know, does everybody have equal, you know, do, should gays get married right in, in that language. Um, but if you ask them generic questions about American values, right? The ones hmm. we've asked before, do you think yep. people should have, you know, food security? Do you think people should go hungry in the U.S.? Right. That's that's okay that they do that. Do you think it's okay that people don't have a place to live, that they live on the streets of Portland in the U.S.? Do you think that's okay? Mm-hmm. And I think if you ask that question that way, people would say, no, none of that's okay. Right. I think people should go bankrupt because they can't afford medical care. No, I don't think that's everybody would say, no, that's not okay. But that's the system we have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They've just been politicized into talking points that it's socialist to do it this way. And that these people are socialist and that's an agenda. They're going to steal your Americanism if you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so they've been brainwashed by that. But the underlying ideals, I think we are not that left of where Americans want to be. They just don't believe they can get there. How about this? I will go out on patrol to the corner of 1792 and 436 in Orlando, where all of the Trump people are on Tuesdays waving flags. And I'll go are ask. They still, they're not still there. They're still there. Oh, my God. Every week. I've seen now there is a, there is a uh, man there. He's a, a black man waving a rainbow Confederate flag. And I'm very confused. So he's. He's clearly crazy, but but go there, wear a Trump hat and a Trump shirt and fit in and then ask them, you know, 
you know, my brother's homeless, man. Is there anything that anybody can do? Do you think that's right that people are allowed to be homeless in America like this? Just just because he got sick and couldn't pay his rent, there's no help for him. And you will get, oh man, that's terrible. Yeah, we really should pull together, get a GoFundMe. You know, they 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 don't want that, but they've been brainwashed to think that policies are tax and spend. You know, it's just it's the the empathy and the desire is there. They've been brainwashed to believe they can't have it. As long as it's not a Democrat that wants it. Well, yeah, that's that too. That's why that's, it's so yeah. go up with a Trump shirt and a Trump hat and right. they talk about it. But give you that they will give you that empathy that, yeah, I that's something that is important that we shouldn't have homeless people in America. Right. Librarian. Yeah. Yeah, and like if you would ask them, a lot of them would probably, you know, go to whatever support systems that they use. Like, why don't they reach out to their church? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my church has a place that they can go. Right. And then you tell them, I'm sorry, they're homeless because they got kicked out by their families because they're trans. Right. And then it becomes the, oh, well, we don't want to help them. Yeah, we don't want to help them. Right. Well, so I went to our, I went to the mosque and they said they were going to do everything they could, but. They didn't have any room. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No. I mean, I mean, I, I think I think the issue and, and this is a thing that we talk about regularly, but it's a thing that the, the American uh, body politic cannot tolerate is there is a lot of debate about what hu- humanity is. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of debate about what it means to protect human value and what human rights should be. Uh, in American politics, uh, these things have all been kind of established elsewhere, uh, but uh, it's 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 perpetuated as a lot of different dog whistles around the core idea that every single American is meant to be individually exceptional, mm-hmm. and it's your fault if you're not. Right. Uh, but but this idea of exceptional also means basic quality of life. If you lack basic quality of life, you're not working towards your exceptionality and you've done something wrong. Yeah. And moral failing. Yeah, exactly. So, so certainly a set of people who believe that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean that, you know, it's, it's, it's the, um, I always forget the doctrine of God. I always lose this prosperity doctrine. There it is. I found, I remembered it. It's, it's that prosperity doctrine thing that's kind of occurred since the eighties where you blend weird bad economic policy and religion but but it's more that it's more that i mean we've talked about it basically every week for the last year basic health policy is not politics Mm -hmm. it is human health which you know same thing with 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 gay marriage or or trans health care or you know uh, uh trans kids in sports this is just basic humanity. It is not politics. It shouldn't be politics. There is no reason to deny these people these things. Um, but for whatever reason, it has been it has been logicked in such a way that you know giving it to them for free is bad. When what you're doing is you're enabling another person to be a contributor in the system that can help the next person. It's it's not it's not free. It's meant to be a, a, a like we say, Canadian raising the floor, it's a boost. Mm-hmm. It's it's that step. It's that starting step to get them to a productive member of society. But if society never helps, what's the point of having a society? Number one and number two, what you do is you perpetuate that 
that leech on their system's resources, right? Instead of helping them temporarily, which enables them to never be a drag on the, on the system again, you perpetuate their need for the system. Right. And, and a lot of that comes from a, a genuine sense of lack of self-awareness. Um, yeah. People, I mean, I, people related by marriage, former marriage to me, um, that believe that same thing, right? I, 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 I did it myself. I worked hard in high school and I got a scholarship and I went to college and now I'm doing okay. Right. Without ever understanding that they, you know, they were a middle-class white kid, right? That they had that opportunity that other people don't have and, and you don't see it because you, you didn't live, walk in their shoes. But instead of saying, yeah, everybody wants that. Mm -hmm. Why didn't it happen? And looking for reasons how to fix it. They're just, well, they're undeserving. And that, that lack of self-awareness is, is a huge problem in the group of people who, think yeah. of the prosperity doctrine and all of that. It's I mean, 100%. Just- and, and, you know, and, and to speak from the perspective of a privileged white kid who grew up, who couldn't work within the system. The other aspect of it is this. If your personality type, learning style, men- mental approach to things, problem solving me- um, methodologies don't match exactly what our expected recipe for success in America should be, you're not going to succeed. Right. We have a system that is designed to weed out those who do not fit the norm. And mm-hmm. if, and it, you know, air quotes, the norm. And if, if you don't succeed within the, the normal bounds of what you're expected to do, you shouldn't succeed is, is the other mentality. Right. right? Like, like the, this idea of using education as a colander for finding those who are the most likely for success is insane. We, we know that's not true. We know that there are so many different ways of learning that this factory method of, of printing out more, you know, drone workers is not the recipe for success. And the people who designed our education, education system know that too. But part of the education is the brainwashing to think that that's the only way to do it right. You're correct. <laughs> The, the, the interesting thing is, is our education system is designed to create the factory worker. Yeah, that's why. We, I mean, if you th- just think about it logically, right? We have a high school education because we wanted to have an educated populace. There's no reason why we can't why we stop at high school, right? Why don't we have education until you're done be paid for an environment? Right. You, you go until you're done instead of you go to high school, because by the time you finished high school, you had enough math and science and history and a little bit of, of liberal education and music and whatnot that mm-hmm. some sports that you could be a functional human being in a in a working society. Right. That's why that's where it comes from. It's designed to create workers who will do a job for people who own a business mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and it. It, it's it's antiquated and it fosters that well, sense that that's what your life is about. Right. And there are now attempts to change that, though, and to right. you know update the education system. And that's made me met with a lot of backlash. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that it was good enough for me. It's good enough for you. 
Right. Yeah. I was having a very good conversation Canadian with with uh, uh, your daughter's partner. That was rather enlightening. Mm-hmm. Um, he he got into great detail on the economic situation that he is in with the work that he's doing. Right. And this is somebody who's doing basically near as makes no difference for the rest of us. PhD level physics research with multi-million dollar pieces of equipment. And he's making the equivalent of $10 an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Salary, like salary equivalent, $10 an hour working full time. When we live in a hyper-specialized society and a hyper-specialized economy where everyone is trained and focused and, and, and etched into doing one task very, very well, factory workers, what that does, what it should do is it should mean that this person who does a very specialized task is nearly irreplaceable and they should be held in high esteem and great value and, and compensated respect uh, uh, in proportion to that. But instead what we've done is we've created a mentality where every worker, regardless of skill level and value to the work working condition of the, of the, of the environment is 100% replaceable. Everybody is interchangeable regardless of skill and knowledge set. And here we go. I was reading Marx this week. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you were. (laughs) And well, I was, I I actually, well, because there's a lot of talk. Huh? Harl or Harpo? Harpo. Oh, Harpo. Yeah. Uh, uh, his essays are legendary. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was, so I was reading the actual manifesto of the Communist Party, 1870 German to English translation. And I, I was reading it because I, I had realized that I've never read it. In, 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 American, in American education, we talk a lot about why our free market system is the better system and why communism is a bad system. And it's so ingrained in our culture that the word Marx is immediately met with incredibly negative connotations. Mm -hmm. When you say communal society, communal living, not communism, communal living, people give you flack about it, which has nothing to do with economic policy. <laughs> like it's crazy, but it's just crazy hippies living in a van. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. Also, so it's also religious fundamentalists living in West Texas, right? I mean, yeah, but they're fine. Um, yeah. As long as they don't set themselves on fire, everything's okay. Uh, <laughs> no, but so I was, I was reading, she, I was, but she consented to be my third wife. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They're sisters. Why? Um, no. So I was, I was reading, I was reading the communist manifesto and I was reading it because I had never read it. And all I ever knew about it was what I'd been told about it. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the core aspect of the manifesto that nobody talks about, that nobody, probably because we're not meant to think about it or understand it. The core aspect of, of Marx's uh, manifesto was the people need to reclaim political power from the elite. Mm-hmm. And, and it, he was remarkably prescient in predicting the, the uh, perpetuation, uh, uh, the perpetual down cycle of the worker in, in a capitalist system. Like where we are today and all the crises that we're dealing with are exactly what he predicted 150 years ago, which is wild, um, 170 years ago. 
yeah anyway um well he wrote it in 1840 something so yeah that's neither here nor there um he, he basically predicted that those that have will maintain the feudal system of, of societal structure that we inherited from the lords and ladies and all of that where we had serfdoms and we basically now have economically sanctioned serfdoms where every person who is a worker is meant to maintain their place in society and not advance in any way at all. Uh, and all of this would be maintained. And this is the, this is the key point that not a lot of people talk about. All of this is only maintained when the elites maintain control of the body politic, which is where we are today. Yeah. Lobbying, uh, uh, Citizens United 1999, yeah. all yeah. that, the Koch brothers, George Soros, I, all I, of it. I'm not going to talk bad about her but the uh i can't think of the congresswoman from california whose name i forget the only person to vote against the the defense authorization act in 2001 after 9-11 introduced a bill that got passed in congress this week to yes yes i forget what her name is and she did that but i was thinking man she's been in congress for 22 years Uh uh-huh that's way too long absolutely um, that that's the kind of perpetual elite controlling the the body but, politic that we're talking about, right? But more importantly, it, the, it's the it's the money behind it, right? Well, yeah, so these, yeah, to the librarian's point, the way you make money as a politician is you get in with the deep pocket people, the Amazons, the WalMarts, mm-hmm. the the. Uh, the, the Microsofts, the Apples, right? You get right. in good with them and you work out deals with them. And what they do is they, they find there are backdoor ways for them to support your campaigns right. to ensure that you do not lose your seat in Congress. Right. And that is what Marx was talking about. Not the, not career politicians. Marx was talking about the people with money influencing politics. Correct. But that's and, where they get to stay. Oh, exactly. Well, exactly. exactly. So, but, but what I'm trying to get at is, is, is that it's the thing that we've been pre- pushing forward for forever that uh, we're seeing a massive uh, effort from the Republicans to prevent, which is a properly representative government, right? No more gerrymandering, no, no, no more gerrymandering, a uh, real, uh, real representation of different demographics in our society. Uh, all of these things, you put the government back in the hands of the people itself and you establish it in such a way as, as if there is a corrupt member of, of, the government, they are removed by the people who recognize the corruption. Joel Greenberg, Matt Gates, get out. Yeah. Uh, but the point of it is this. People talk about communism can never work because when you put ownership of everything into the hands of the government, the government is inherently corrupt, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that is absolutely true. The broken governmental system we exist in today could not possibly manage that system in a way that would ever work for anybody. But if you have a properly representative government for the people of the people by the people, there's a chance it might have a, 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 a modicum of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And also, government controlling things doesn't mean we limit what can be made. It just makes sure that you don't have uh, – uh, uh, how does he put it? Um he doesn't use these words, but he basically, basically the idea is to ensure that there is no abuse of the worker – to the benefit of an individual, right? Workers work at a fair rate. They work at a fair wage. They make a thing. They make they make they make their pay. They go home to a comfortable place. They they are taken care of. That's the point. Um, 
there's a lot of things he comes he, like he has a lot of ideas I don't I don't necessarily agree with. Mm-hmm. But that's the idea, right? Like this is this isn't meant to be the end all be all, but it's a good place to start. And like you said, they, you you can't have a conversation about it, right? Right, because because the the majority of the population it's not it's the, the I mean the feast it's the communist manifesto, if you will, because <laughs> uh, they 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 feast on the, the you know it's 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 like God. red meat to piranhas, right? They, exactly, they're just it apart because they don't know what. And there, there, I, I don't. I've not read it, right? I, I know that uh, you can get into situations that are just as bad because the people don't always make good decisions, even on whole. Sure. They're, they're they're corruptible. They're they're influenced yeah. by by media and and hype and fear and. I mean, we've seen that, and you've seen that in lots of places. We've seen it in yep. the U.S. Yep. Right? We still see it in the U.S. People are afraid that the government was stolen, and you know that one of the things about uh, we have a new holiday, right? Uh, the nineteenth of June. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yes, since we won't be here tomorrow, happy Juneteenth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can I and, uh, we segue away to Juneteenth? No, I, I, yeah. I, I'm actually not segueing away from Juneteenth. I'm going to use it as an example, and then we'll come back to it. Okay. Uh, I heard uh, from the from the right wing media that they're afraid that the libs are going to take away July Fourth and replace it with Juneteenth because that's the true Independence Day. Did you know your kids are smoking Tide Pods on the weekdays? Yeah, and it's it's that kind of feed through media that makes people make bad decisions. So there needs to be yeah. a counteract to that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you end up with with disaster. Who doesn't want more days off of work or school? Let's well, that, we're talking about holidays now. That's the, we're going back to to communist manifesto. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, um, what the one thing that that I think we've really lost track of in in American politics and, and the structure of our government is that the American government is an experiment. Mm-hmm. No one's ever done anything like this before. And no, and, and still we are unique. Truly. We are unique in the world. Nobody else has a government like ours. And, and the best part about this experimental government structure is it allows real change to happen like that. Mm-hmm. If everyone agrees, Hey, here's an idea. Let's put it together. Let's write it all out. Let's, let's figure it out. Let's put it through a committee. The committee says, well, yeah, this has legs. Let's give it a try, and you put you put a date on it. You, you know, it, it, between these dates and these dates, we're going to try this new policy. We'll have data collection. We'll have research. We'll do all these things. And part of the part of the the budget for this new policy is the research to ensure uh, robust follow up after this policy expires. Let's see what happens. Uh, we aren't doing that anymore. We haven't done that probably for two hundred years now. And, and that's, I, I think that is a true shame. Like we have, we, especially when you consider the, the state level government, state governments can be doing any crazy thing that they want to be trying out. And if it gets too bad, the federal government can say, no, bad, sit down. We'll take your federal money away if you don't behave. And then the state behaves and then it goes back to the way it was. And that's okay. And then we try something different, mm-hmm. but instead of, instead of people, being open to trying a slightly different thing and, you know, and maybe your taxes go up 5%. Ooh, but it means 
schools get this or, or public transportation gets that or bridges get built. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like there can be like, we can find a lot of really interesting ways to solve unique problems on a local, on a state, on a federal level. And we are, we are so afraid of, of saying the wrong thing or doing things in the wrong way that we are no longer willing to risk being experimental with our policy and trying to find a new way to fix a problem. Uh, librarian. Well, uh, uh, the reason why we talk about this whole experimental government and the way it was, that was, that was written during the Enlightenment pyramid, period. Right. And we're no longer in the Enlightenment pyramid, period. So this is not like people are... If you said it twice, that's a show title. Bro. Yep. Oh, I, I, I'm... Oof. <laughs> I'm struggling, uh, but it's the idea is that we don't we aren't having this critical thought over all of it, and the, you know, like yeah, we talk about oh, it's an experiment. We should just try raising taxes. Well, you can't raise taxes on people who are already trying to live beyond their means because they can only make so much of what they're doing. So they don't want to you know raise the taxes. They can't afford to raise the taxes to save right. them out of work. Well, the other thing too that I think we we get very very wrong, and this is a thing I think should be addressed on a federal level. Is, is every new policy should have a sunset. Everything should have an end date. Mm-hmm. Even the New Deal, 1929 policy, we're, we're 100 years into it, and, and Social Security is bankrupt. Nobody in this, in this panel is actually going to inherit any money from that program, but we're all paying into it. <laughs> but you, you might, if, you're, if, you, uh, yeah, if you retire soon enough and you get injured in some kind of way, maybe. But uh, what, what I'm getting at, though, is when it was designed, you had something like four workers paying in per person on the Social Security program. And now that's inverted. We have one worker per three people getting paid out on it. That plus it's being used like an open ended checkbook for the government. The government is uh, Bill Clinton did that where he uh, uh, used Social Security to balance the budget back in the 90s. And that was a nightmare. There, there, there's. I, I, I agree that the 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 way it's managed is probably not adequate right mm-hmm. but but to but the benefit it provides is necessary it is absolutely no what i'm saying is so, is so so the question becomes how do you how do you how do you ensure that a program modernizes right right because because if you just sunset it it'll sunset like anything else like the the voting rights act yep. you know the and well, it just, hell, it goes away, and then hey, now we've got free range on because of politics and people recognizing that they can get more power if yeah. we do this thing. But, but maybe mandate that it needs, yeah. I mean, review to update its its mechanism. Ca- counterpoint to that, though, the Patriot Act still exists. Yep, it's yeah. bad. It sunsets every eight years or something, and they keep renewing it. Yeah, because it, because it's politically expedient to do so. Yeah. I'm, uh, it sounds like you're going to have a lot of politicians holding current laws hostage. Right. Exactly. And that's right. what happened with the Violence Against Women's Act. You're going right. to see a lot of people in the South saying, all right, well, the uh, 14th Amendment or 13th Amendment is about to expire. So um, no, 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 no. Uh, amendments are not policy. Amendments are not law. Amendments uh, are so constant. Roe v. Wade's about to expire. Right. Well, so <laughs> that's. Supreme Court decision. That's not. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's also uh, different. I'm talking about like the Affordable Care Act, right? Or like a, a new tax law, like like the the Tax Cuts and Jobs well, I, Act. I, I think I think what you're talking about, 
and and what we're seeing is is a is the the malfunction of our current environment of our current right. Congress, right? That's why you need these things to say, "Hey, guys, you got to do some work now. Get off your get off your butts." You know, may, maybe oh. every four years, uh, you get rid of the filibuster for a year, right? <laughs> force people to vote, and then after that, you get gridlock if you want it, right? Sure. But, 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 that's, but that's the experimental crap that I'm talking about. Like, but, like go wild. And if it doesn't work, get rid of it. But, but force, force people, force our government to actually do the job they're supposed to do. And, 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 you know, we're living in a time, I've lived in a time where they actually did work. Mm-hmm. And they, there was lots of fighting, but things got done. I mean, yep. let's face it, Nixon passed environmental policy, right? Can you yeah. imagine Republicans passing environmental policy? Well, it's almost like it was a human concern and not a political concern. Yeah. I mean, George Bush did, but the environmental policy actually weakened existing environmental policy. So it's not really counting. Uh, And so and so there was there was stuff that was done that needed to be done when it needed to be done. Mm -hmm. And then in the 90s, all of that, all of that changed. And up till now, it's dysfunction. We might as well not have Congress at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Not doing anything. And, 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 and Foreman, to your point about, you know, laws and policies being held ransom, we already do. Right. Look at look at the look at the insanity of the Affordable Care Act in its original writing. That was it started as a great idea. And then the the only way it could ever be passed was by creating that one thousand and eighty page document that nobody right. read by the time it was voted on. Yeah. So, and, and, and that's that's lawmaking at its worst. Yes, because because there was a group of disingenuous people in there. Who were well, but but that is American politics, like you said. That, that is totally is where we exist today, and we've been there for since Reagan. And it's what we got. And there's nobody willing to work on it today, right? You you couldn't you couldn't fix it if you wanted to because no. the Republicans would say, "No, you got to kill it." Yep. Well, one of the biggest problems we have right now, as well, that kind of goes along to that point is politicians or senators, congressmen adding a bunch of bullshit to bills that have nothing to do with the bill itself just to try and get it killed. It's like... Exactly. Or or to see what they can get out of it for their lobbyists. Yeah. It's like you, you know? have a bill that has to go towards healthcare. Yep. And some politician puts in a thing saying, okay, well, it goes towards healthcare, but also we have to uh, just like murder six fetuses in yeah. the well, that I'm introducing it. That's also part of this bill now. So, yeah, healthcare. We have to murder six fetuses to do it now. <laughs> and then everyone's going to be like, "Well, no, I'm not doing that." So now that they've killed the bill, so I, I think that's go ahead, go ahead, librarian. Or an example that they tried in Florida a few years back that didn't actually work, where they tried to create a uh, it was an amendment that had a ban ban on offshore drilling and a ban on vaping. Yep. Because they yep. thought people would care more about vaping and offshore drilling, and it did not work out for them. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's what I'm talking about. Though is like you put, you tack on these bills that have nothing to do with writers to it. Yeah, because you know, usually it's because they know one of them is going to be a poison pill. Right. Yep. It's because that's the whole they, idea. Or a state puts in something that will help benefit that single state. Mm-hmm. And maybe screw over some other states in the process. Uh, the in the original Affordable Care Act that was passed, there was something like half a million or a million dollars worth of of expenditure specifically to build a bridge through a valley in Illinois to preserve a certain moth 
And the expenditure went into building the bridge at a specific height so cars didn't drive through the moss flying area. Like, right. that was added into the Affordable Care Act. What the hell? Yeah, so that's yeah, another point. Like, it, it should be everything gets its own bill, or it, at least grouping the groupings have to be related in some way. Right. It, it, com- it comes back to the filibuster. Okay. Because because you you have you're not going to pass a bill that gives bridge works to every state to build a bridge that doesn't affect environmental situations, right? Whatever you want to go. Everybody gets ten right. million dollars to build their build bridge. bridge. Yeah. Right. You you're, you're <laughs> never going to pass that. That's never that's going to get filibustered out of whatever Congress. Yep. But you might get it to a vote, and it might get passed if you could vote on it because the filibuster removes the need to vote so you don't have to look like the bad guy because you didn't vote for a bill that was going to give your state 10 million dollars because so, it got filibustered hey, so I, canadian I uh for 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 those of us who maybe haven't haven't listened every week or uh need a little bit of clarification give me give me two sentences on how the modern filibuster currently works uh so the modern filibuster you have to in order in the senate I can't do it in two. Uh, In in order to vote on a bill, you have to close down debate. That's called the cloture vote. Okay. Close down debate on a bill takes 60 positive votes. And if you can't get people to vote, then the debate continues. Okay. Essentially, the bill never gets to the floor because you can't close debate on the bill. Now, is that allow, is that the modern filibuster? That is the modern filibuster. Okay. The, the, the addition to the modern one more thing. The addition to the modern filibuster is there used to be only one track. If there was a bill on the floor, that's all you did. Right. But they said, nah, we'll have a second track for important stuff that we can because, do. Because because the system we created is so fucking because broken, it, we can't you know, do this anything. If the filibuster is going to chew everything up, then we'll just, if we need to, you know, point a, a Secretary of State or something will will have a second track for that kind of thing. So we can still do business when the filibuster jams up the works. That's more modern filibuster. Because when it started, it used to be you had to be up there talking the entire time. And so so that's actually not true either. The original filibuster was any one senator could stop debate. Huh? Yeah. Any one senator could stop it. That was the original. Because because so there's there's a history of the filibuster, and Aaron Burr, you know the 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 most hated vice president ever, even more than Dick Cheney. Um, Impressive. Uh, well, Dick Cheney shot somebody, but he didn't murder him. Uh, Fair. Aaron Burr actually killed the guy. Um, the he was lazy. Of a Broadway musical. And he, there were all these rules when they're creating the Senate, and he said, "Nah, we'll just take some of this stuff from the House." Originally, the Senate rules were majority, but there was nothing that said how you stop debate. So any one senator for the first 50 years of the United States could stop debate, could keep debate open. No, I want to keep talking and just just do it. And then they passed this two thirds rule. And then that got shot down. The two-thirds rule came in 1919 or something when we wanted yeah. to go to war. And yeah. 
centers stopped us. And so they changed the rule for two thirds. And then it was 60 votes in the seventies because two thirds was too high. Um, and that's when they opened the second channel. Cause it used to stop all senators go home. Cause we're going to talk and debate this. So, so yeah. So then back to your, back to your point many moons ago about uh, uh, changing it from 60 to end the debate to 40 to maintain the filibuster. That's an interesting proposal. Because then I mean, you've got a positive affirmation on the vote. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, because you can also understand you can also time gap it. Right. OK. So for the next eight weeks, we debate it. We want to want to get a minority opinion. You want to have a chance to convince people. Yeah. Great. Debate. And then in six weeks, it's you got to have 45 positives. I mean, hell, you uh, won positives. Yeah. I mean, you could even you could even send it back to committee. Yeah. Right. Like you could you could make it where. It's an actively researched policy and not just a dead bill. Yeah, take these ideas that we've got and take it back to committee and then bring it back. And Mm -hmm. now it takes 45 to stop debate. And then next time it takes 51 to stop debate. Sure, something. Yeah, because because my understanding, like the basic structure of of the Senate was to pass a bill to send to the president. You had to have 64 votes, right? Uh, 60 votes for yeah, sixty votes for it. Right. Um, That's just to stop debate. You only have no, 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 no. What, what? You get past debate. You get to the point where the Senate is voting on a bill to, to either pass or deny. It's oh, it's fifty percent. Yeah, totally fifty percent. Huh. The cloture vote is sixty percent. Interesting. How about we just have a fight club between everyone who's for? Yo, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> well, it's choose your champion. And uh, so we have, yeah, sorry. uh, um, I love that idea, but that would just mean that you just get the buffest NFL players in Congress. No, it has to be a politician. Yeah, it has to be a politician. Everyone, (laughs) they group everyone together and they list all their names. Then from there, they pick one. Everyone who voted yes. Uh Oh yeah. We, we, so then, so then it's like, it's like house, like the welterweights and then Senate's the heavyweights or like two problems. (laughs) One, it gets all the old people out of Congress because none of them (laughs) want to fight. Two, that they really, really got to be for or against something because you're, you're you may have got to be willing to fight for it. Yeah, I'd love to see yeah. McConnell get punched in the face. Oh my god! Uh, now, were, were you were you there when AOC attacked uh, Mitch McConnell in Hell in a Cell? <laughs> I wouldn't bet against AOC personally. So we have a comment that I think um, Canadian, you can answer better than I can for sure. Uh, if we lump, uh, uh, this is from Charlie. If we lump everything into one massive bill, infrastructure, Green New Deal, student loans, universal health care, et cetera, but then we pass it through reconciliation. You, you can't, there, there, reconciliation has to be financial in nature. That's right. Purpose. The purpose is to be able to pass it. They did that because the filibuster, people would filibuster budgets. They did that, they did that with the uh, Affordable Care Act. They, no, they didn't. Reconciliation. That was the the Republicans tried to kill Affordable Care Act under with reconciliation. reconciliation. Okay, but so it has to be primarily financial in nature, and that's how the Republicans could kill reconcil the Affordable Care Act because they were going to remove all the taxes and all the other stuff that funded it, and that would essentially kill it. Got it. So, so you, there there are limitations, and but that bubble is actually growing, like the infrastructure bill. Large parts of it could be passed under reconciliation huh. because it deals with dealing with getting money uh-huh. and then redistributing the money. 
Okay, so reconciliation is basically a government acquiring money policy. Uh, yeah, so, so I'm going to raise taxes a little bit, and I'm going to send spend that money on building bridges. And what if it's what if it's amending current expenditure rules? Yep. Can you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we can say, well, taxation through these methods would mean this much would, money. Would be okay. You place. can change tax law. The the current there's currently a bill. I forget. It's part of some larger structure that's. Huh going through reconciliation that's going to extend Medicare for people 60 and older. Cool. Right. They could extend Medicare for people age zero and over as well in that same right. bill if they wanted to. Right. Um, the, the, so things like that. So green new deal. Mm, yeah. That's difficult. Tax incentives, any of the money incentives to, to develop, you know, renewable technologies and yeah, Maybe could be, but the legislation that says you will have 50% electric cars by 2030, you can't do that under reconciliation. Okay. And, and I think that only one reconciliation per year, again, i.e. the oh, budget, but right. that's not actually written anywhere. And the most recent parliamentarian said, no, it's as long as it, there's no limit on the number you can have. Yeah. So you can pass any budgetary bill through reconciliation. Well, this has been the Canadians' rules of order. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to take a break there. Uh, it's about time. So uh, Facebook, I apologize. It's going to go quiet for a minute. But uh, we're going to step away for a little bit, and uh, we'll be right back. You are listening to One Man Revolution with your host, the Revolutionary. And the Comrade. And the Canadian. And the Informant. And the Thespian. And the Librarian. Fun fact, the, the revolutionary isn't actually here. Uh, he is abroad. So we are continuing on without him. He's uh, always in our hearts. I hope not. <laughs> That's just cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> to that, uh, cheers. <laughs> I remembered my drink to this half. Yeah. It's been a while since I've done this. I forgot. Oh, you're gonna get drunk. Ooh, a Ooh. No, not quite. This is actually something new. I hope it's cold. We'll find out. Uh, <laughs> this is an innocent gun, blood red sky, rum barrel aged red beer. Innocent gun is delicious. Innocent gun does good stuff. But this that particular like one. A lot. This particular one I purchased in March of 2019. All right, wait. Since you're holding a bottle, is it Scottish or Canadian? Innocent Gun. Yes. Scottish. I was having. I, I was trying to remember. I was talking to one of my Canadian coworkers yesterday about it, and I remember it being Canadian. But I think I got it confused because I just bought it at the Canadian. Perth. Canadian Where is Perth? Australia. Perth? Scotland. Australia. Scot- Aussie oh. man's from there. Sorry. No. 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 Okay. Weird. Um, innocent gun brewing perth ph13 ts but product of scotland yeah okay. then i just bought it in the canadian pavilion at epcot and it's a scottish beer that's yeah well it's, my it's yeah. a beautiful color uh it's two years old so i had picked up a can that i thought was sideward brewing's uh seltzer but it turns out it's uh, three brewing threes brewing mm-hmm. volticon that one i got back from uh when I visited my brother. It's a black lager. So hey, that's not a seltzer. 
little bit of a surprise. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what it's like. On the break, he was like, it's a seltzer. I was like, okay. It kind of has the same kind of label as, as the side word seltzer. It certainly does. It's not bad. My my it's so okay, so my and it's dark. My rum barrel aged red beer is very malty, um, but it's not as buttery as a, a bourbon barrel aged beer might be. So I actually quite like this. The rum is there. There's hints of molasses at the back end. It's very nice. Uh, who's who's uh, informant informant. You, yeah. you remembered your beverage. What are you drinking? I am drinking the Johnny White Walker blue Game of Thrones themed um, whiskey with a Death Star ice ball. <laughs> You got to clear the ultimate mashup. I went for every, and then with Jon Snow's sword behind me, I went for every nerd. Yeah, you you know nothing. (laughs) You just needed to deliver that like William Shatner. I'm (laughs) the Johnny White Walker. Do you remember what his sword is called? Jon Snow. Stabby stab. Stabby Landring. Wait, that isn't it. (laughs) It's long. (laughs) Okay, yeah. I just anyway, librarian, what do you have? It's called Willy. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> it's called Where the Fuck is the Winds of Winter, George? <laughs> I'll take that strike. There you go. I got one. You got it's one. Librarian, well, what you got for us? I'm drinking another rum and coke. Excellent. As long as and it's not the same rum and coke. Thespian, you know, what you got? I, I can confirm she actually got another one. I have a, I have a limited edition Bud Light. Nice. <laughs> hey, that's how you know it's fancy. Ooh. Right, because it's like they're the official beer sponsors of the, the Super Bowl champions of yesteryear. <laughs> With the, the Chiefs? The 49 no. Oh, no, the Buccaneers. So not oh, even. Oh, Okay, this, this most recent Super Bowl. Yeah, this year's Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. Wait, so is that, is that is that vintage Bud Light? I guess I don't know. It's I mean, I feel like Bud Light Bud Light shelf age is like six Louis months. Super Bowl Louis Vuitton champions. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what those Roman. I know it's something five. Is it Let, 55, let's put this Bud Light's shelf life is in dog years. It's longer than Pepsi Blues, I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, it tastes fine. I don't... It looked like it was newly stocked, so maybe they just had old cans to Could fill. Be. Could be. Yeah. I mean, there was a pandemic. Stuff happened. Right, yeah. <laughs> they couldn't nearly use half of it. That, that's what that's what people are going to say in the, in, in the future. Well, yeah, it was a pandemic. Pandemic. It happened. Mm-hmm. Speaking of football, this is something I think only maybe the comrade and I will care about. So we'll keep it short. Yes. The <laughs> proposal to expand the college football playoff is cleared a hurdle on Friday as commissioners from all major conferences signed off in the 12 team playoff model. Yeah, they're gonna pay this, they're gonna pay the students, right? The only for conference playing, that was playing four extra games. That's well, those are the paying the students is the NIL laws that are going through with most states right now. Yeah. But yeah. Um, hey, that's know, uh that's fantastic. Much too so the, um, sometimes this is a tech podcast. <laughs> 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 uh, revolutionaries chagrin though the one conference that did not uh, disagreed with the six conference champions getting auto bids was the pac 12 of course that's because they suck 
Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh wait, no wait. One of them's an alma mater, so yeah, it's kind of suck. That's fine. No, they still suck. Uh, no, no, no. The Canadians uh, of of Pac-12 descent. Uh, How are you? And 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 of of Big Ten descent. And Big Ten descent. Ten. You're, well, you're, pick you're, the number. Is you're, it twenty-two? Yeah, he's the yeah. big Pac-22. I'm the I'm the well, big, big Pac-22. Big Ten has fourteen teams in it. So. I'm, I'm the like Pac-22. It's an upgrade of Pac-Man. No, like the, the Big Ten has fourteen, so it'd be twenty-six, really. Yeah, yeah, but they can't count. Yeah, yeah. Can't. Yo, I I ain't go to school for sports. Wait, <laughs> we didn't come to play school. I, I ain't go to play school. There it is. That was the Big Ten school. Yeah, I ain't go to play school. Go Buckeyes. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I believe the correct phrase, and I don't want to start anything. Where this is is go suck eyes. Hey, I agree. That, that is was going to be my alma mater if I didn't move back to Florida. The librarian says yeah. that is the proper terminology. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. There it is. Just, it, just wait till you hear what I call your team. Uh, I'm 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 a I'm a Hawkeye. I know you are. <laughs> Yeah, that was my quick little news. Hey, Wisconsin is the inferior corn team. Yeah, that's. I thought that was that was Nebraska. Let's do with corn. Robots. Let's just say. Let's just say we call him. We you know there there's a slogan at Wisconsin. I I can that see that goes FM Bucky. Uh huh. I believe she has the shirt for that. We changed that one around. <laughs> FM Bucky T-shirt. That was a student. Because if you put the F on the B, you still get nice, nice. But, there but you, you go. can you can then change the B word around and the, the articulation of college sports fandoms and the censorship on this podcast do not go well together. Yes, no. <laughs> well, it, it, you, have to, you have to be careful. You have to be really willing to say it, and I'm just not. There, yeah, there's strikes involved. FIB. Uh, <laughs> hey, oh, uh, so speaking of Ohio. Uh, Ohio Republicans are actually very close to imposing a complete ban on municipal broadband statewide. Yes, they uh, are. So there we go, mm-hmm. representing uh, interests for the people. Because Republicans. Who does it against who things? Who wants utility to internet? Um, good internet? There's a – hang on. Yeah, but you can um, make it suck. That would, that would be the best thing you could do is give people internet that sucked. And then they would want to pay for better internet from private companies. I don't want to give people from Cleveland any less hope in life. Well, you would give them hope and then they would, those hopes would be dashed. That's what they want. And then they would pay spectrum to get mediocre internet. Hmm. So basically, I don't know what they're missing. Basically the way it works is um, they're, they're proposing a change in, in what defines uh, a served or unserved internet area. Um, and if, if 10 megabit per second is being delivered to your area, your area is considered served, which makes it ineligible for municipal broadband. No, 10 megabits should 10 be 10 megabits per second. I spit faster than that. You would think that with everyone being, or so many people being work from home for the past year, how important the internet is, but things need to go back to normal informants. You can get more than that with 5g on your cell phone. Correct. No, so, five five G is gigabit internet. Yeah, so ten so megabits per second is three G. Chances are you've got a cell phone that does better, even if you don't have wired internet to your house. Correct, correct. So why not make ten gigabit? I mean, 
Make it 100 megabit. That's served. Great. 100 megabit. Yeah. Make, great. But 10 is minimal. But and I and I think, again, you know, we talk about this a lot. It's not about trying to do something for the people or for a business or whatever. It's about making sure that something doesn't get done. That's right. what the Republicans do. Yep. They're there to make sure that things do not get they, fixed. They are Republicans. Exactly. And the thing is, you would think, right, like philosophically speaking, Republicans are all about the free market and the market will provide and, and the, and the, uh, the invisible hand of the market will, will guide consumers to the, the proper and good quality of service, except that Internet is a regional uh, monopoly. Mm-hmm. There's no competition. I only have one ISP. I don't have a choice. Yeah. That's not competition. Yeah. So you would think the Republicans would be all about introducing new market competition because that improves product quality and decreases cost. It's and, better and for everybody. Where, where there is no possible competition, then the government should install its own competition at a basic rate. Exactly. I.e., we should do the same with healthcare. Oops, back into that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so for, for reference, because yeah. a lot of people get this confused, megabits per second is different from megabytes per second. Yep. Yeah, to, to yep. a one to eight scale. Right, minute or megabits per second is how you measure internet speed. Um, megabytes per second is how you measure storage speed. So one or ten megabits per second is equal to one point two five megabytes per second. It's it's eight megabits per megabyte. Right. So it, it comes out to be 1.25 megabytes per second. Now, so now how many nibbles? Is that? Sorry? For, for us metric users, how many nibbles is that? Nice. Uh, Hang I on. Believe, um, I don't know. It, it nibble is four bytes. So I, so think... I want to I put this. Okay. To watch, to watch standard video quality Netflix streaming, you need a, mig- a minimum of five megabits per second. Yeah. Right. That's for standard quality. If you want high quality, you need 25 right. megabits per second. And that is one stream. If you are in a household in an area that is considered served with 10 megabits per second and you have two or three people in your home trying to watch live video streams at the same time, it ain't happening. Or if one of you is trying to play a video game. Well, Bingo. Librarian Librarian was trying to say something and I didn't hear. Sorry. I was trying to make a joke about porn. Oh. Yeah, live video streams. Yeah. High quality video. Think of the horny. Yeah. Bonk. In, in uh, rush to porn. We'll be able to know if your kid is streaming porn if you can't. Oh my god. What if what if we made every sitting Republican in Ohio's porn limited to 10 megabits a second? Yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Deal with it. Now tell me how you feel about I, that. I though. think Pornhub needs to do that. If you live in Ohio and you're a senator, you get 10 Oh, we need to petition Pornhub. Oh, my God. Limit John Boehner. <laughs> they were very much on LGBT equality when they started releasing all of the percentage of trans videos that were streamed in North Carolina or whenever, South Carolina or wherever that was. I don't even know how to spell those purposes. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to know what to look for when they enter my bathroom. <laughs> God. Oh, that's not how that works. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so I looked it up. It's about 75 megabytes a minute. So, yeah. download. 
Which is not, which is not, you're not going to watch the high quality video on that. That's nope. usually not even like an image. A high quality image is. It's yeah, like 75 megabytes a minute. We'll it's take you back to dialogue. I mean, where you're trying to see if it's worth looking at an image and it's going line by line, and then you realize yeah. it's actually closed, and then you have to close the tab and you wasted your time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there's there's 10 minutes wasted. But it's the it's the anticipation of what might be there. It's internet edging. And and if you're under the age of 18, you're probably done by the time the image loads anyways. <laughs> Is anyone ever under the age of 18 on the internet? It's very, very Yeah, no, I, I, I think the internet is the great equalizer. Everybody's 17. Like, librarian, your, your mic didn't work. That's fine. No, there's too good porn jokes. <laughs> More porn jokes. Now the thespian's back. Um, <laughs> but but again, this uh, to, to your point, informant. How remarkably poignant in in today's conversation on what people need to function in a modern society. You know, in the first half we discussed the need for higher education just to function. Uh, in 2020, we discovered the importance of being able to telecommute. We discovered beyond that the massive. Uh, uh, positive changes in our local ecology and economy working from home. Uh, People didn't drive as much. uh, Pollution went way down. People that did have to drive did not experience nearly the crippling levels of traffic. Uh, Overall job uh, satisfaction went up. Uh, We are seeing massive changes in people's demands for what a workplace should be. And more and more companies are having to make it mandatory that you return to the office because people just don't want to. Right. So I told my company that I would not return to the office unless they had a, you must be vaccinated when you return to the office policy. There you go. And they were like, well, we can, it's like, okay, you, you give me the option to work from home. That's great. Keep working work, from work from home. But that's why I'm not going to the office. Bingo. You're not requiring any, everybody to be vaccinated. Bingo. So. And people, you know, people talk about this this HIPAA thing. Hip, HIPAA says I don't have to divulge my vaccination record to you. I'm like, I'm not asking you to divulge your records. I'm asking you to tell me that you've been vaccinated. You can lie, but then if I find out you lied through whatever reason, you can get fired. Mm-hmm. Just like if you lied that said you graduated from Ohio State and you didn't, I can fire you. I, just, I didn't. I just am a fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know what that's like. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but, but yeah, that's, that's, you know, but they've also given me the liberty to work remotely. And I, I get, I, but, but, but here's the thing that really get boggles my mind about that from a, from a business perspective. I am a business with 300 employees. I used to have to fund a facility that could house all of the needs of 300 working people. That's conference rooms, buildings, parking, maintenance, air conditioning, like all of this stuff. Or, hey, I'm going to add a $50 stipend to your paycheck every month to cover your internet cost. Yeah, you don't even have to do that. You just say, hey, you can work from home. And people will be like, okay. And I'm, I'm saving money. You're saving time, money, effort, office space rentals. No, but like your office space gets converted into condos in the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know though, because I'm seeing like, you know, 
JP Morgan is, is, did like their company wide state of the business, blah, blah, blah. And their CEO basically said, look, you're coming back to the office. We won't be paying you New York wages to be living in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, you will. Or you'll be, or you'll be losing an employee, right? Like, and I was talking about this. That pluggable employees are replaceable. Exactly. But employees but, really aren't replaceable. That costs your company money. Exactly. And is it exactly. worth more to let somebody live in Nebraska than, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you make people come four times a year on their own dime to the sure. office. Sure. I, but that's a write-off. That's that a business game. expense. Yeah. I play you know? that game. Yeah. The, the, the company I work for has a couple of has a floor and a half, uh-huh. top floors and office building, probably prime real estate in in Lake Mary. Sure, and and they're now going to be able to get rid of essentially a whole floor because people are not going to go back to the office. They don't need all that space for people, mm-hmm. and that's going to save them money. But of course, it hurts the building that they're in. Right. Um, and, and so that's why I say that building is not going to fill that space. There's not demand for it anymore. Right. So, uh, they're going to, what are you going to do with an office building? That's empty. Yeah. It's a exactly. nice building. It's got nice facilities. You got to do something with it. Turn it into condos. I mean, you got uh, thespian. Well, you could, it, it would, it could oper- open up the opportunity for smaller businesses that need a, Central hub for, you know, a handful of things to possibly move in there where, you know, if there's a company in Lake Mary that has to commute to get to their large office that they've realized they don't need and they can downsize, maybe they would look. I mean, it's all circumstantial that I don't necessarily I feel like the need for any kind of office space right now still is not in high demand at yeah. all. Like even, even when people are going back to office, it's, well, you know, well, what if they converted it and if we gave it over to the local government and they can turn it into an auxiliary to the public library and, yeah, there you go. and they can have computers that are available for people who don't necessarily have access to them in their homes. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, condos was purely believing in or, capitalism that was going to take over, but well, yeah. Uh, yeah. The other thing too, that, that business, buildings have commercial buildings have the residential don't is it infrastructure Mm -hmm. Uh, with the ever increasing load on the cloud and the need for ever increasing storage in remote storage uh, accessibility uh, businesses could simply just become more server racks um, which will always require physical space there's always a need for physical space for storage and uh, if you don't need to put people in them you can put computers in them why not it already has the internet hookup. It already has the air conditioning setup. It already has the modular structure. Go ahead. But regardless, yeah, you know, you're not going to take the 400 people that were having seats and squish it down into the 50 people that want to go into the office. Right. That's a lot of space. You can you can do all kinds of things. You can you put a section for for people who need small conference rooms, right, for the, for their presence. And yeah, you're still. I mean, this is one building in one company. It's every company that's everywhere into this problem. So I mean, uh, one thing like a uh, lot of capacity. A friend of the show, the anomaly. Uh, for a little while, she was working at one of those modular office spaces. You know, right. one of those places you could rent by the day. 
for a conference room or for uh, a, 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 an office with a, connect, a printer and an internet connection, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Very easy to do. Uh, but, but the other, the other impact of this work from home movement that I really think should be taking off is decentralization. Mm-hmm. People no longer must be geographically centralized. Right. So cities like New York, Chicago, Orlando don't necessarily need to be nearly as, as compact population wise as they are. Uh, and it'd be, it'd be one of the best things we could ever do is to allow people to spread out mm-hmm. the demand on all of the city infrastructure uh, would be massively reduced. Yes. If only, if only we had municipal broadband that reached ah, out. There it is. There <laughs> it is. There it is. But that's, but that's exactly it. If, if no, you had, exactly, yeah. If you had municipal, exactly point. if you had municipal 100 megabit per second internet, that more than enough internet for any one or two people, uh, especially somebody working from home in, in the vast majority of cities in America, anybody could go to any location who works in an office job and they could work from any given city. And what that would do is it would create a more unified, back to Marxism, worker group. Mm-hmm. All workers, if you're even everywhere, if you do not have to make New York money because you're not living in New York – that reduces payroll costs for companies, but it also means that more workers feel unified across the board than they ever have before. Well, it also means you're less tied to the employer because exactly. now if I lose my job and there really is an opportunity in, you know, Palatka. Who cares? I don't have to move. I can get a job somewhere else. Send and- some emails, put on a shirt and tie. Yeah. The, the, I will say that that having worked remote for most of the last 25 years. Oh, wow. Um, there, there are downsides with working remote that you have to actively work against. The, 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 the office casual conversation yes. is very important um, because it allows you to meet people you don't otherwise know. True. Right? Very true. So if you work remote, you're talking to the same 10 people all the time. That's all you know. You, you hear company bullshit coming down the pipe. And but you don't really meet other people. Uh, but but when you see them in the hallway, you talk, chat in the elevator, you you recognize people that that you work with, and that's important. I I actually don't have that experience. We I work at a large company as well, and I've never technically been in the office before. I got the job April twentieth of last year, right when all this a four twenty yeah. Um, I, I, right when this was all kicking off, and one thing that I think my company does really, really well is we have a we use Microsoft products, so we have uh, Teams, and we have a bunch of Teams groups. One of which is everyone in my company division. I work in the uh, I'm a web developer, so I work closely with the designers, the copywriters, the other teams. I mean, I primarily work entirely with the dev team, which is I believe like five or six of us now. But we have a group chat that's everybody in our division. That's not necessarily our team, but everyone in our division. Uh-huh. And I've made a lot of really good friends through that. I've talked, we have, besides the big open group with everybody that can discuss whatever, we also divided, we have a video games chat, a movies chat, a, um, yeah. no, a chat for uh, armchair sleuths. For but that, that develops community. And that's really, that's, that's way above most things. The company I work for has that as well. I hate that, so I don't participate because I'm a curmudgeon. Um, but, 
but it's it and that and that gives you that casual connectivity you recognize somebody's name um you you still don't recognize who they are right because you don't know what they look like yeah well the, the flip side though the flip side is when you work in an office full of people you hate and then you have no, to deal that, with all of the terrible office functions full of people you despise but but and and that's what working remote frees you from yeah you're working in a place you hate you can look for another job that's going to keep you in the same location you like presumably Yep. that you can now work for other people and there's no need to stay in the in the shitty job exactly i i do like though with my job because my job has always required me to be a work from home has never been an option for me right um, and i have you know the gossiping with the coworkers and stuff but it does kind of challenge me a little bit because i get to t- i get to constantly interact with people that i don't agree with on a lot of things yeah it's it's it kind of like gets me out of the bubble that I would normally have because I would keep my own little echo chamber if I had the chance. But you know, going in, I mean, not to say that my obviously I'm advocating for everyone having this opportunity, but I'm just saying for me personally, I do like being able to have that you know coworker that I don't see eye to eye with, but have those conversations for sure. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think, though, that platforms like like Zoom, like we're using today or, or Discord or Teams gives plenty of people the opportunity to have those real conversations. You can hear the tone of voice. If you want to turn cameras on, you can see like, facial expressions. You, you can get to know a person again, you, you know, to the Canadian's point, you're not going out and, and bowling with them and drinking and hanging out and kind of getting to know more organically. You're still in your comfort zone and you can still just turn off the camera if you're sick of it. But uh, technology has allowed us to be more connected even remotely than we ever have before. And I think it's enabling the idea of community regardless of location. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's, a really cool internet aspect. That's really important because, because one of the times I worked remote um, and the company reorged, it used to, I, I'm sure I told everybody the story. They used to fly out for parties and get togethers about four times a year, Christmas party, summer festivities, and a couple of project kicks off. So I, while I was in the building, I got to meet a lot of people. They got to know my face and my voice. And even, even that few days of interaction was enough to build a, a relationship with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when they stopped that, I just became a voice on the phone eventually and then eventually I was the the guy, well, I don't know who that guy is. He does stuff, but hey, let's get rid of him. You know, when they had to downsize, all the voices on the phone got downsized. But I, I think that speaks more to the weakness of, of modern American corporate culture. No, I agree. But also the lack of technology, because I was never wow. on video calls. There was never there was never a Zoom meeting with people whose faces you could see, of people yeah. you could interact with expressions you know it was all it was all 40 40 webcams didn't exist and then you disappeared whereas if you're in these regular meetings on video it's way more personal and and more more interactive just it's it's funny you say that though because i uh i've worked a lot of jobs where i deal with people on the phone on a regular basis either um you know faceless douchebags calling in to complain to me about a thing i have no control over or um, people who i actually have meaningful conversation with and a voice on the phone, if you if you talk to them regularly, like like you know, multiple times a week, you still develop that rapport, you still have that level of familiarity. Sure. But you're not if if you got a phone call from some guy 
twice a week, three times yeah. a week. You had a conversation about some tooling. But right. every day you saw Joe, the guy with the screwdriver who was fixing the windows and stuff. Sure, you sure. You to fix the problem. Oh, yeah, exactly. The person that I know, for sure. And, yeah. and, the and guy it's about seeing the results. See, and you see every day. You meet him in the hallway. You see, mm-hmm. And that's sort of the problem with being the the – 10% of the group that's remote is you're not ever called in because there's somebody else there to do it. If everybody right. was remote, it's a whole different story, right? Because there is no none of that. Right. Around. Right. So, I don't know. We went down corporate remote culture, but I no, think... No, but I, I think that's incredibly poignant, especially right now. Like, uh, I've, I've read so many articles where the quit rate right now in America is higher than it has ever been. Yes. More and more workers in America are realizing they don't have to deal with that bullshit. Yep. And it's either because uh, we had a robust system of support for, for the American people that allowed them to have the time to step away from a bad situation and, and really realize what a workplace could be, or because um, we've had a robust support system for the American people that gave them enough money to afford the time to look for a better job. And, and I, I think it's also workers in general. Yeah. In general, were treated poorly during during the pandemic. Yeah. And before. They're essential, but now see you later. And Wait, No, it's... <laughs> it's not new. I, I, don't, no. I don't think any of that's new. I think no, but workers have been treated like shit for decades. It became apparent that they were be. I mean, it, it was not that they weren't being treated poorly before, but it became more apparent that that's that they were being treated poorly, right? Right, right, right. Um, when when you're stuck at home and you can't work and you're getting benefits that allow you to live better, and you realize why am I working for less than this? Why am I paying money to put my kid through childcare? I mean, we have a shortage of workers in Florida, but they won't pay for childcare. So, exactly, how am I supposed to go back to work when my kid is has to be home, right? Because yeah. childcare places are are closed, and or they're not in school, and all of that problem. Well, obviously, the answer is work harder, Canadian. Yeah, yeah. Be be more be more uh, privileged, and then you won't have uh, this problem. Yeah, I mean, white do you don't have thirty working hours in your day? No. What are you doing? This is a gig economy, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, I, I was, I was, um, I, I've been contemplating this a lot recently. It, it's incredibly relevant on a on a personal level, but I think uh, the pulse of the American worker has really changed recently. Mm-hmm. I saw an article from I, it was I, it was one of the major you know multi coast to coast publications. Uh, hey, maybe unions actually had some value. Was kind <laughs> of the tone, right? But 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 remember though, right? Who would have guessed? The concept of the union has been has been bashed and frowned upon for sixty years now, right? Mm-hmm. So like that, obviously this us here at this panel and our audience, maybe that's not surprising. But for the average American, all they've ever been told is all a union does is steal your your wages to pay for a due you don't need. Yeah, uh, informant. Now, I have a question. I'm, I'm wondering, I agree with you all on all this stuff. I'm wondering if, because right now a lot of the reasons people are not going back to work or going, picking up menial jobs because because they're making more money on unemployment. Or no. That's not, not anymore. No. So 
uh, and we've talked about this to great extent while you've been away from the show, but the the long and short of it is, and and this is actually a a concept I've been kind of like honing how to communicate. uh, And I'm going to see if I can do my best to explain it now. The, the federal tax system, the income, the federal income scale has a given poverty rate, right? Air quotes, poverty rate. Uh, I'm sure at some point that was not an arbitrary number, but there was there was actual calculus involved in coming to that number. It is no longer valid. It is no longer in any way uh, a wage that a human being in the United States of America can survive on. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for, for a single individual is twelve and a half thousand dollars. Yeah, annually. Annually. That's that's what six hundred dollars a month. Uh, no, a thousand dollars a month. Th- I'm sorry, a thousand dollars a month. Matter. But right. Well, no, no. Uh, so taxes are th- thanks to uh, thanks to President Wilson. Taxes come out up front, and then you get it back at the end of the year if you're still alive. Not um, payroll tax, which you still pay regardless. You get it tax. out if you're alive at sixty-five. Right. No, but but the point is, a thousand dollars a month is meant to be the survivable poverty wage across the board, which obviously is insane. I think this needs to be completely reexamined. Obviously, when you file taxes, part of filing your taxes is where you live. Street address, not just zip code, street address, specific where you live, which means the government knows the average cost of living for your region. There is no reason that your minimum you know, tax floor isn't the average cost of living for your area. That's housing, food, gas, utilities, all of these things create a minimum threshold for how you can survive where you live with a house and food, right? That should be the minimum threshold for poverty. And then everything beyond that becomes the taxable income Mm -hmm. and that scales. So in New York city, that's $130,000 or whatever insane number it is there. But if you're in Ocala, Florida, it's 30 grand, right? Because there's nothing there, but what that does is it creates a level of flexibility for inflation, increased housing costs, uh, increased cost of, of, of consumer goods. All of these things go into the calculus. And every year that number is adjusted to be appropriate for current economic situations. There's no reason they can't do that. You are correct, except for that the government infrastructure in the, the, uh, the department that does taxes. What's that called? Treasury. The IRS has not been has not been updated in thirty years, so they're still running forty sure. sixes, and so they can't do those calculations. I mean, the, I mean, that, that's humor. That was that was an attempt at a. <laughs> at a you got to work on that delivery, man. Uh, I was going to say that's no, that's a guy with a calculator and Excel can do yeah. that, right? Like, yeah, but but you're running on a on a i seven. <laughs> no, not a 46 and literally they're running on 46 i'm not i'm not joking about that the actual hardware yeah yeah well, running, you, you know you, you know who has excel for free google docs yeah <laughs> and, and <laughs> your computer has, doesn't need to be able to run much and that runs on google so that's even better it's there clearly it's corrupt and liberal obviously yeah. but, no but my, my point though is is uh, much like a lot of the stuff we talked about in the first half, there are so many things that we do that are archaic and don't work. And there's no reason for it outside of that's just how we do it now. Right. And, and that's right. counterproductive and harmful. 
the will to change it. Somebody's got to stick their neck out and make a vote, right? To change so, it, right? My point, my point was really, and I may have been wrong about the why, but the the general consensus of what I'm seeing around, at least here and from what I've been seeing online, is that people are holding out and not going back to work at, let's say, Taco Bell or Burger King or those jobs that are paying not enough. Yep. And so they're holding out because they can make better money elsewhere. They want to make better money elsewhere. But at some point, if you don't have an income, I know they're, they're ending that they're ending the, um, the unemployment, the federal unemployment, right? They're, they're lower, they're lowering it back down to pre COVID levels, essentially soon. It's next month, July right? one, which is, is not survival. You can't pay rent. Nope. So my point is, is, is do you think that these companies are just kind of waiting until July 1st when they know a lot of the people who are holding out yep. are going to have to come basically crawling back to them because so, they, they can't. I, I think people don't have a choice, right? The, the, if you have a kid at home, are you going to go to work and spend your entire paycheck right. for childcare? But that's kind of my point is, is I know there's a lot of companies that are saying like, no one wants to work right now. We can't open because they're, we don't yeah, have work. No one wants to work. How much is it worth for you to get a worker? If if so, right. historically, back in the 1300s, uh, there were there were people who worked the fields for the Lord, right? And and they didn't get paid. They they got the right to live and get some food. That's what they right. got. They 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 were owned by the Lord. And my, then my, this my, thing my, happened. I think these companies are just kind of they're they're complaining now, but they're waiting until July 1st when these, these employees have no chance. I, I'm worried it's going to go right back to where it was. I don't, I don't think it will. And, and I'll tell you, I'll finish my parable. There's this thing came along called the black plague mm-hmm. and it killed mostly peasants, killed yep. mostly the people who worked the farm. And then after the few years where that happened, the Lords didn't have anybody to farm their fields. So you know what they did? They paid people to farm their fields. Strange. Because they needed people to work for them. And people were going to, they were like, no, I'm not doing that for free. I'm not going to do that just because I need to live. F you, you starve like I do. Mm-hmm. And and so they started paying people. And that's where, that's where sort of the feudalist system started to break down. Because now you had people who had actual money for the work that they did. That was still the same kind of sharecropper thing you you build, you plant the fields, you get so much per bushel, whatever. I don't even actually know what the trades were, but that allowed trades to go up because now these people had money and that allowed businesses to sell things. And 500 years later, we have a growing, robust economy. Um, that's what's going to happen in the U.S. We're going to, re- companies are going to realize, yeah, some people are going to have to work, but if you want to stay in business, you're going to have to pay people. Yeah. And and well, I mean, the other thing, too, right, like people were people were grinding two, three, five jobs right. to pay the bills. There was no work life balance. There was no right. personal time. There was no benefits. There was nothing. You just worked a million part time jobs to cover all the bills and you drove Uber and all the times you should have been sleeping mm-hmm. to cover the cost of living. Right. And during covid. Everyone was sent home and told, no, it's too dangerous to be working in public. So we're going to supplement your income, at least for a little while, to make sure you don't die. 
And people discovered having that time away, having a little bit of personal time meant they weren't suicidal anymore. And hey, that work-life balance really actually means a shit ton to not dying tomorrow. And, and now their perspective on on where the balance should be has changed. There is no longer this, the employer is always right. I am at the whim and the mercy of whoever decides to pay me. Now it's, I am a valued worker. I work for whom I choose and I will do it for the right rate because I have bills to pay. Right. I, uh, I think the Canadian has hand up and then the library. I, I just sure. the, the, the amount that the federal government is paying is $300 a week. Right. Which is $7.25 an hour. So companies would pay an additional $7.25 an hour. Probably if they would pay an additional $5 Wait, an hour. Wait, what, what's $7.25 plus $7.25? Uh, 15 Weird. But, but I bet if they would pay <laughs> $5 bucks an hour, they would get more people applying for their job. There was, there was a company here in town that offered uh, – Bucky. it was Bucky's. They said minimum income, 20, uh, 15 an hour, managers make 25 an hour, inundated with thousands of applications in right. one day. Right. Because they yeah. s- people saw a wage they could live on. They could live on. If, if McDonald's and Wendy's paid $15, $17, $18 an hour, they would be inundated with workers. Nobody wants to work for free. Nobody wants to work 40 hours a week and still starve. Correct. And going back to the Canadians example with the Black Plague is there are a lot of people who are no longer in the workforce because they died of COVID. Right. And that's like they did a study. I forget who did this study, but it was saying like the percentage of people who died of COVID, uh, which industry that they worked in, a lot Uh of them were bartenders and service industry and service industry. People who can't work from home. Yeah. People who couldn't work from home. So we were looking at a pool that got smaller because a lot and, of them sacrificed their lives and died. Yeah. Or, or it, can't work through disability. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was going to say. It, worse than people who died, COVID has created state-dependent indi- individuals. So now what we've done is we've created more draw on the tax system yeah. than current than existed previously. Uh, so, it, you know, to the, to the Republicans who are already very much against any decent living wage as a minimum wage, what you've done instead is you've created burdens on society. Well done. Well done. Speaking of which, do we have any well dones for the week? Uh, I actually, I saw hands. Uh, do you, do you want to start? You're muted. <laughs> Thank you. I, I I understand. I'm just also doing other things and can't that quite get like back to the. To me, does that count as a strike? What? I feel like I feel like the overly dramatic eye roll should be a strike for the Vespi. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> okay, so I. <clears throat> so my well done is um, for a. <laughs> For uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Really? WTF. Yes. So on Monday, yeah. So on Monday, she apologized for her offensive comments comparing Capitol Hill mask wearing rules to the Holocaust. (laughs) Monday. On Monday. She made that comment a month ago or more. I was about to say, I've heard her say that. 
Yeah. Weeks after. So what she had initially said was, you know, we can look back at a time in history where people were told to wear a gold star and they were definitely treated like a sec- like second class citizen. So much so that they were put on trains and taken to gas chambers in Nazi Germany. That's exactly the type of abuse that Nancy Pelosi is talking about. Yeah. When wow. Pelosi was like, we're going to keep wearing masks, everybody. Um, so she um, went to the Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington. And after she was done, she realized her mistake and apologized for those. Or uh, all of it was a remarkably uh, coordinated and, and, and scripted I will, event. I will accept her apology, but I don't believe her apology. Right. So there it's, you go. Um, yeah. So she... Um, she said, she mentioned that she was taking a lesson from her father who also happened to die in April, um, about learning how to own up to her mistakes. She's a terrible human being. And she She is a terrible human being. There are so Uh, many mistakes. She's never going to own up to just her mm -hmm. exercise video where she's causing people to blow out their shoulders. That's she needs to apologize for that. Excuse me. You didn't see that. No. Oh my God. She does exercise. She posted on her Twitter a video of her being tough and working out in her uh, CrossFit kind of way where she does these circular half kip up, half pull up things that will cause anybody who tries them to. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's a very common uh, 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 CrossFit workout that like muscle ups or whatever. Right. But if you, if you, don't do them properly or you aren't trained or aren't strong, you will dislocate your shoulder. Yeah. Librarian. I have a well done of the week. Hey, what you got? Juneteenth. Oh yeah. We're talking about it over the show. We're like, Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Well, now let's talk about Here it. Here we go. Let's now go. Talk about it. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I don't want to interrupt if you had a, a thing to say, librarian. If not, I will just jump Maybe. in. Well, jump in. <laughs> so the water's fine. And and yeah, I kind of knew you know, freed the slaves, right? I mean, all that that was civil war stuff. We don't learn about that thing in history. We just learn it happened. We don't learn about any of the side effects or why. But but I was thinking about it, and it was like, duh. This is a huge event. The United States went from being an oppressive country that to one that said really all people are equal at that point. Now in they didn't live up to it, but but in they, theory, of course. They, but they they made that decision to do that, right? The execution of it was poor, but at that point we decide just like Independence Day, we decided. Darn it, we're no longer going to be British. And we celebrate that. And we should celebrate, should have celebrated this from 1865, right? This should have been a national holiday at that point. We have emancipated the slaves. We are not that country anymore. We need to celebrate that moment from that day forward. And I was like, yeah, duh. But, you know, it took me to now to think that way. That that I found very revealing about our our history, how it's taught, how it's talked about, how, how things are revealed. Style with it, yeah. it's, it's the how it's taught thing. I, like full disclosure, I didn't know Juneteenth Juneteenth 
was even a thing until a couple of years ago on this podcast when we were talking about it. Yeah. And I was like, what, what, what is that? What do we, what's. I learned about emancipation day. That was the thing. Hey, it's, it's, you know, we signed the, you know, I didn't even know what date it was like, okay, great. Cool. But, no, but, but like my education completely let me down, not only on, on the significance of the, of the historical impact of that moment in American history, but also of the cultural importance of what that meant for the future of the country when they did it. And, and this, like the fact that we have Christopher Columbus day and we haven't had Juneteenth as a holiday for a hundred and what, 10, 160 years. I don't even know. I don't know the math, but uh, over a century. Yeah. Right. It's been more than a hundred years and we've just been ignoring it. Yeah. In fact, if you, if you don't want to give another holiday, uh, without taking one away, get rid of Columbus Day. Fuck that guy. Yeah, um, racist. They've uh, purpose Columbus Day is Indigenous Peoples Day. Bingo. Yeah, no, but that's only because they realized, whoops, this is <laughs> this is really a bad look. Celebrate yeah. this Columbus guy. Effort though, like that took people and activists speaking yeah. for years and years that built up to the point where the the national conscious looks at it being like, oh, this yeah. is that we should acknowledge and this is something that's happening with Juneteenth right. as well because it's something that had been celebrated mm-hmm. with a small collective people like it was it was a holiday for African Americans especially people who lived in Texas like they celebrated it but we didn't know about it on a national scale because right. our education failed us no I, I'm happy to have Indigenous Peoples Day I yeah absolutely Columbus Day right get, just get rid of it don't have it anymore because yeah. there's no need to celebrate that guy. Just get rid of it. I, I mean, we have too many damn holidays, anyways. Get rid of it. No, I think we're short. We need we need at least six more. We have holidays. Why not? It needs to be one a month. Come on. Uh, once, you remember once being a month. in high school yeah. and thinking, "Oh my god, another holiday." Fall, I get a holiday every month, and in the spring, it's like months without a holiday that I'm in summer. Why does <laughs> my god not have in-service days for me to take off? Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay. Uh, do we have any other? Oh, I actually have a well. I have one. Um, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go ahead real fast. Uh, something that the United States still doesn't necessarily do. Uh, in England, Scotland, and Wales, gay and bisexual men are finally allowed to donate blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huge deal. Huge yep. deal. Uh, for the longest time, there has been a prejudice that if you are gay or bisexual and you engage in sexual in- interaction between two men, you are... are dirty and uh as a result you you have impurities in your blood that disqualify you from blood donation that stemmed from the aids crisis yes why that yes. that's the thing yeah but it was also misguided because it was entirely accurate so no, well but but there were also precedent you know there there were issues of of, of individuals who were in fact positive and and through their donated blood cases spread uh but yeah, it's comp- obviously it's very complicated. Let's have it for another podcast about the AIDS crisis. Indeed, but but <laughs> the good news is we no longer are 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 so at least the United Kingdom's nations are no longer maintaining that particular prejudice. Mm. They are allowing individuals to donate blood regardless of their sexual orientation, and that's phenomenal. Good, that's awesome. I have a, I have a well done. Story. Uh, the informant had one. This isn't really, I just found this funny. I, I'll give a well done to the person who created it. I don't know who they are, 
But whoever created the petition to not let Jeff Bezos back in from space. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go ahead and activate the Iron Curtain just real fast. Just oops. Next month, month, Jeff Jeff Bezos is going to be the first person to launch from his company's Blue Origin ship, spaceship, into into space. And there's a petition going online with right now more than 13,000 signatures that says deny him reentry to Earth. And the wording in the petition is Jeff Bezos is actually Lex Luthor disguised as the supposed owner of a super successful online retail store. However, he's actually an evil overlord hellbent on global domination. We've known this for years. <laughs> the petition then goes on to mention Masonry, the Knights of Templar, and the late Jeffrey Epstein, ending with this may be our last chance before they enable the 5G microchips and perform a mass takeover. Oh my God. So this also goes, uh, coincides with the other online petition urging Jeff Bezos to buy and eat the Mona Lisa. <laughs> I would love if. Actually, that would be phenomenal. I'd pay for that live stream. I would love if they were both written by Mackenzie Scott, his now ex wife. So, so this is not my well done, but well done to Mackenzie Scott. She gave us another one. 2.7 uh, billion? Yeah, three billion dollars. Yeah, of Jeff Bezos's former fortune. Her and um, her new husband, which I did not realize she was now remarried already. That was fast. Uh, damn, I she was. I was hoping to get her on. Uh, you know, you E-Har- didn't get her on LinkedIn fast enough, man. Um, no, my well done. What's what's billionaire Tinder called? Yeah. Well, no, her new husband. Makes like, like a- billionaire matchmaker. Yeah, millionaire matchmaker. I love that show. That's a great show. <laughs> So, uh, my well done. By the way, if you have three billion in charity, it's like six billion to solve world hunger. So, you know, yep, halfway there. Um, my well done goes to Rachel Scott, who is uh, an ABC News reporter who pressed uh, oh, yeah. Vladimir Putin on uh, Alexander Navalny. Yeah. And yeah. She asked him, what are you afraid of? And through that whole exchange, President Putin is squirming and hemming and hawing and like, I don't know what to do. Why is this woman asking me questions? Yeah. It's it's an awesome interview to watch. It's a little uncomfortable, but she does not give up. And and if uh, Canadian, if you have the link for that video, I, I put it in the, the show chat. notes. Good, good. Uh, it's the, the link is from... Uh, uh, CNN, I think, or is it okay. CNN business? We'll find it. We'll it's get it in the, the show notes. You'll be able to watch it. Yeah, it, it's got the article about it. it awesome. It's it's amazing, and she did a great job. And essentially, uh, President Putin couldn't, couldn't couldn't. Putin goes, "Wait, this is freedom of the press? Oh, I hate this. Okay, <laughs> yeah, this is why I don't have it." Yeah, hope that that reporter doesn't fly over Belarus between. Well, that. my my comment was, if she falls out a window, we know why. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, I, I know the informant had a. Wait, did you already get your well done? Yeah. Informant? Okay. yeah does library, did you have stay in space. I just make Bezos stay in space. He's got a car out there already. No, that's oh, Musk. 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 Car space. Uh, library, did you have Musk's a well done? Car. Oh, mine was about Juneteenth. Got it. I right. We're, we're done Sespian. with well done. I already did mine. Remember? Got it. No, <laughs> I don't. It's fine. Um, I think we're there. I think we've done it. Y'all, we did a show without the revolutionary. Yeah, it's easier without him. 
We still have time. We can light something on fire. Uh, no. no, actually, we're dead at the mark we normally are at. So uh, that's fine. Uh, I mean, if you want to set yourself on fire on live stream, we can start a donation-based po- yeah, uh, stream. No, we don't want to do that. We feel there's a good cause. Anyway. We have a mortgage together. <laughs> <laughs> I have financially invested in your well-being. Yes. If we can raise as much money as Mackenzie Scott was able to donate by, let's say it's 10, 10 20 p.m. now, by 11 o'clock, yeah. I, will, I will light something on fire. <laughs> something. Something alive on fire. Wait, wait, wait. you well, still have that taser, right? the ante here. Oh, yeah. All right, I'll take that. <laughs> fire. You pack the taser? No, that's still sitting in the bedroom. <laughs> oh, is that where you keep it? <laughs> Blow Mansion Down. I, I, that song's been going through my head the entire week. <laughs> I don't know. I think Bedroom Taser is pretty good. But uh, uh, on that bombshell, we're going to end the show this week. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, as always, you can find this podcast wherever fine podcasts are distributed uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, TuneIn Radio, Spotify. Spotify, thank you. Um, and and a number of other wonderful aggregator apps. They're all out there. This show is always completely for free. We live stream what? And one man revolution.net. You're ahead of me there. That's fine. We'll get there. Uh, we always live stream the recording of the show every Friday night, roughly 8 p.m. Eastern time on facebook.com slash OMR podcast. And you can always download the original high quality audio at onemanrevolution.org. Thank you, informants. <laughs> uh, as, as we stated at the beginning of the show, the revolutionary is abroad. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. I'm the comrade. I have been joined with the Canadian, the informant. The thespian and the librarian. This has been the One Man Revolution podcast. Enjoy your week. We'll see you next Friday. Peace.